And a swing and a drive in the center field. Preston Hill has walked him off. How about that? This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I was thinking today maybe we'd preview Brewers Nationals a little bit. Brewers got a set with the Washington Nationals starting tonight, running through the weekend. And I thought, ooh, you know, Washington Nationals, Brewers, they met in the playoffs in 2019. Maybe that'd be a fun little story to revisit. And then we could look at some of the storylines and some of the players to watch going into this weekend. I didn't realize how bad the Nationals are. <laughs> they're 13 and 26. And their whole roster is guys that if I told you about them, you'd be like, oh, they're out of the league. Like uh, Alcides Escobar. No way. He's still playing, right? Oh, yeah. He's on the Nationals. He's our nine hitter right now. You got guys like uh, D. Strange Gordon. Oh, yeah, pinch pinch runner, pinch hitter type guy, utility man, jack of all trades. Yep, he's there. Josh Bell. <laughs> you know what's funny? Josh Bell got traded from the Pirates, who are terrible, to the Nationals, who are worse. How do, you, how do you leave the Pirates and end up in a worse situation? My God. So, I don't know if we're going to preview Brewers Nationals a lot tonight. I just, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's something that we can work for two hours. I don't know if there's enough meat on that bone. So I I thought about it. I I considered it. We've been a little light on Brewers talk this week. There's just not enough meat on the bone. Sorry, everybody. We're going to have to talk. Packers going to have to talk a little NBA. We're going to have to go elsewhere (laughs) for the final two hours of content of the week because the Nationals, they're not it. They're 13 and 26 and they have fewer interesting storylines than the Brewers in the NL Central. So we're going to go elsewhere tonight. But just know that I tried. I want credit for that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're enjoying your day and your week is wrapping up nicely. Happy Friday. Uh, One of my favorite guests, a guest that we don't have very often, but I always look forward to him coming on. That's Eric Eager. Pro Football Focus is going to be here at 530. I haven't really had an NFL person on to break down the draft since it's happened. I know we had Mike Renner on beforehand to talk about some draft things. And again, to pat myself on the back, I thought that interview went very well. The first time we had Renner on was a couple of years ago, and I think it's one of the worst interviews I've ever done. It was terrible. Uh, and I thought uh, we redeemed ourselves in that instance when we had Mike on to preview the draft. And then the draft happened, and we talked about it, but we never had anyone on. Uh, and, and part of that, if if I can explain to you my thought process and getting guests on the show... I don't like having an NFL guest on the week after the draft because I know that same guest is going on a million other shows and they're sick and tired of talking about it. And that's just not going to lead to the best content. So what we do is we wait a couple of weeks. We wait for everything to die down. And then we give old Eric a text. Hey, Eric, what do you want? You want to talk Packers draft? Come on, come on. Let's talk Packers draft. It'll be fun. So hopefully uh, Eric will bring his A game. I know he will. He'll join, uh, join us at 530. He's from Pro Football Focus on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. If you want to uh, search him, give him a little background check before we speak with him at 5.30. I want to talk Packers coming up in about 15 minutes. I do want to start with basketball. I want to start with Celtics Heat. The only thing I had on the docket last night was game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami, Boston. The Heat took a one nothing lead in game one. They really only outplayed the Celtics in one quarter, but that was enough at home. The Celtics were beat up, a little injured, a little COVID, short rest after game seven, right? 
The only thing I had to do last night, the only thing I had to do, because the Brewers weren't playing, was to watch this basketball game. And yet I really struggled to. Let me explain. Okay? A little story time. So I had plans to meet a buddy for a beer after work at 6.30. This worked out perfectly for me. All right? I had nothing going on. The Brewers weren't playing. The Bucks had been eliminated. And the basketball game didn't start until 7.30. Okay? So let's meet for a beer. 6.15 right after the show. So I make my way up to Onalaska. We stopped at a place right off the main drag. It was a great time. He had a volleyball game at 8 o'clock, so we had some beers, played a couple games of darts, and I made my way back to lacrosse. And at this point, it's about 7.15, 7.20. Now it's time to watch game two between Miami and Boston. Little side note, I move out of my house in two weeks, and my Wi-Fi has been shut off. It was not my decision. This is a separate conversation entirely. That's another long story. Maybe we can tell it at a different time. I will not have Wi-Fi at my house for the next two weeks. So as I'm driving back, from getting a beer with my buddy, I have to make a decision, and I make a, a decision as a professional, as a sports talk radio host. I now must stop at another bar. I don't see any way around it. That's the only way I'm going to be able to watch this game is if I go to a bar where I know the game is going to be on, right? So I stop at a bar on my way home from the first bar. On the way, very economical choice. I wasn't going to drive out of my way, right? Right. It only made sense. Get in there. Game gets underway. There go the Celtics. Whoo! There go the Celtics. Oh, oh boy. They're up 70, 70 to 45 at halftime through the first two quarters. Boston was shooting 63% from three. And I'm like, all right, this, this is the series I expected. I mean, I hate the Celtics, but I also hate the Heat. At least now I feel like I'm right about the series because I know Miami's not that good. And as much as I don't like Boston, I know they are very good. And then about three quarters of the way through my first and only PBR that I got at this bar. This is school night. Very easygoing, very responsible. I was really only there for the game and the vibes and one beer. Big thunderstorm hits the cross, knocks out the direct TV at the bar. Oh, no, I can't watch it all. I cannot go home and watch. The bar that I have carefully selected to watch this game now no longer has a TV signal. It was just not in the cards for me last night. God had zero intention of letting me watch basketball last night. It just wasn't going to happen, and that's fine. Because luckily, for the most part, I know exactly how the series is going. Coming into the series, I thought I had a feel for it, and I think my feel was correct. And we really saw it play out last night. First of all, I know we've been ripping on the Celtics a lot because it's easy, right? They're just very easy to make fun of. They're fans and their players and really everything about them. I want to get this clear as well in case there's been any confusion. I do not respect the Miami Heat as a contender whatsoever. Ben Kenny tweeted the clip of Elon Musk yesterday making fun of the SEC and Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. He tweeted this. Remember this? I want to be clear. I do not respect the SEC. And I don't respect the Miami Heat. I don't respect their fans. I respect their players. It's not personal with their players like it is with the Celtics. I, I personally don't like the way Celtics players behave. I just, as an idea that, that I'm being told, the Miami Heat, they're the one seed. They're, they're a contender for the title. Mm. They are and they aren't. I just, I, I don't respect them. I want to be clear. I do not respect the SEC. I do not respect the SEC, and I do not respect the Miami Heat as a title contender. The Heat win games, and they won a lot of regular season games this year. They secured the one seed. They win games by doing these three things really, really well. I made a list today. I sat down and I thought about it. The Heat aren't that good. I don't respect them, at least not as a contender, and yet they win so many games. Why? Well, first and foremost, they try really hard. Right, And from a vibes standpoint and not a statistical standpoint, Miami just has a couple players that play really hard. That's how Jimmy Butler is wired, and I think that's a blessing and a curse depending on his situation, depending on his team. That's why he's been on so many teams since 2017. It's both a good and a bad thing. 
I think in Miami with the with the teammates and the coach and the system that he has, I think it's a great thing. Same with P.J. Tucker. The dude's just a little nuts. Plays really, really hard. It's going to lead to a lot of offensive rebounds, hustle points, active hands and passing lanes, getting a lot of steals, rattling opposing players. That really manifested in, in the third quarter of game one when Jason Tatum, I think, had six uh, turnovers just by himself. Right? So they just try really, really hard. Right? And that bears out in the stats, too. Defense is a product of effort, at least in the regular season. In the playoffs, I think it's a it's a combination of effort and organization. It's not enough to just try really hard. You have to have good personnel. You have to have good coaching. But in the regular season, which is how the Heat accomplished getting the number one seed, right? The Heat were fourth in defensive rating behind Boston, Golden State, and Phoenix. So they're in a really, really upper-tier high class, right? They try really hard. That's thing number one. Thing number two. They get three-pointers from guys who really aren't that good, like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. And Gabe Vincent was excellent in game one. He was fine in game two. But last night, the Heat shot 29% from three, which would be amazing for the Bucs, but for any other team in the NBA, that's a death sentence in a playoff game, especially against a team like Boston, right? So if Max Struess and Gabe Vincent are only hitting some shots and the rest of the team's not hitting their shots, well, all of a sudden, the Heat aren't nearly as scary. Because you don't really have guys that are great two-way players. Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, not physically imposing. They're not going to take you to the cup. They're not going to hunt a mismatch. If the shots aren't going in, that team gets a lot less dangerous. And it's because of these few players that they rely on, but really aren't all that good. That's reason number two. Reason number three, the Miami Heat win a lot of games. Ended up as the one seed. They fly under the radar, right? And weirdly, Heat fans take this personally. They're like, no one ever talks about the Heat. It's like, well, that's because you don't really have a true superstar and you're probably not going to win the title. But we do talk about you enough. You're the one seed. It's this weird thing that Heat fans have. I'm, I'm just glad that we're over this as a Bucks fandom community. We're not like, oh, we're never on national TV. Oh, my God, I don't care. <laughs> I pay for Bally Sports like a normal human being instead of getting YouTube TV only to complain every day in my life that Bally Sports Wisconsin isn't included. I can watch the Bucks on my cable package. I don't care if they're on national TV or not. Remember that? Like, go back four or five years. I remember my freshman, sophomore year of college before the Bucks got really, really good. They'd be on, like, two national TV games a year. And if they lost, Bucks fans would freak out. Oh, so of course they, they put this on display in a national TV game. Oh, my God, who cares? I don't care. And the Heat have this weird complex, too, or at least their fans do. They fly under the radar, right? Jimmy Butler is really, really good. And sometimes he's even great in the playoffs. But over the course of seven games, if he needs to be the best player in a series, he better be playing against Trey Young <laughs> or an injured Joel Embiid who only plays in a handful of games. Otherwise, it's not going to go very well. Right? And Bam Adebayo. I really like Bam. I think most people do. But you reach a point in the playoffs where the competition gets so great and the star power is so concentrated that 28 and 5 feels a little bit invisible. Right, and last night he had six points, nine rebounds, two assists. You almost forgot he was out there. Bam Adebayo's really good. Jimmy Butler's really good. But once you get against a team with some real star power and real depth, they're not quite as good. Once they're not allowed to fly under the radar anymore and they're under the bright lights of a two-minute crunch time offense in the closing minutes of a playoff game, they're not as good anymore. Okay, Celtics are probably going to win this series in six. That's something Justin Garcia brought up yesterday. I thought he nailed it. I agree with him. I think Celtics will probably win in six. They may have won game one in Miami 
with one more day's rest or with Marcus Smart playing. I don't even think they needed both. If Marcus Smart plays and they don't have any rest, I think they probably win. Like the Heat, I don't respect the Celtics. I recognize the Celtics are good, but I don't respect them. The Grant Williams-led flopping and whining is just a little bit too much, and it's just this Boston way that they have. I really have a hard time just appreciating anything they do. Really quickly, I want to talk about the Bucks for a few minutes before we move on to the Packers, and the Packers is uh, the topic that we'll stick with for mostly the rest of the show. Bucks offseason, really briefly, to debrief on something Justin Garcia mentioned yesterday. He joined us from the Bucks Radio Network. What they need this offseason. I also think, like I did on Monday, Justin Garcia did a great job pointing out this idea that comes from a lot of smart basketball people that, A, they would have won the series with Chris Middleton, but B, they also need to overhaul the roster. <laughs> you know what I mean? I keep going back to this uh, Kevin O'Connor tweet. The Bucks have a lot of work to do this summer. Obviously, the series is different if Chris Middleton plays, but clearly they need help at wing behind him. Grayson Allen stinks, and they need more playmakers. And $142 million committed to six players. Lopez is 34. Few picks or assets to move. It won't be easy. So everything's terrible. The sky is falling. There's money going here, money going there. They need depth. Oh, but if Chris Middleton plays, they probably win the series and are probably the odds-on favorites to win the title right now. Maybe Golden State. Do you, do you understand why this is funny? In one column, the sky is falling, but in the other column, it's like, well, yeah, but if Chris Middleton played, they'd probably advance, right? And they're, they're probably still the best team remaining in the playoffs. They they for sure beat the Heat. Oh, my God. Any of these teams, the, the Mavericks, the Warriors, the Bucks, the Celtics, they all would beat the Heat. The Heat aren't any good. Um, and, and that's what makes me laugh is people want to say that the Bucks were this grand failure in 2021, and they should have kept P.J. Tucker, and the Grayson Allen deal was stupid, and Serge Ibaka, that deal was dumb, too, but... But if, if Chris Middleton played, it'd be different. But everything was dumb and stupid, and they 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 really wasted a season. I know. Okay. It's a tough balance to strike. You know what I mean? Bud needs to unstick this offense in the half court. I don't know how they do it. I don't know if it's a coaching identity adjustment this offseason where he goes into his playbook and says, we need to do these things better. Let's, let's get in the lab and come up with some new ideas on how to keep things fresh when the offense gets stale in the half court. Or maybe it's an addition, right? Uh, David Aldridge put out a pretty solid piece in The Athletic, I think two days ago. I only read it this morning. About all the teams that round uh, lost in round two, so the Grizzlies, uh, the Bucks, uh, the Sixers, all these different teams. What was the other team in the West? The Suns, right? What these teams need to do in the offseason. And he said the Bucks need to get better in the half court, right? Maybe a, a three-point shooter, maybe a dead-eye guy like Mike Muscala, right? I don't like putting all of my hopes on improvement on one three-point shooter because what if that three-point shooter has a bad season? Mirza Toledovic, uh, Davis Bertans, right? We've seen lots of guys who we thought were dead-eye three-point shooters, and then one team gives them a big deal, Duncan Robinson, and then the shooting goes in the tank and they have nothing else to offer. Right? So that worries me a little bit. They need to find a way to get the offense unstuck in the half court, right? I don't think their defense is the issue. John Hollinger wrote a piece last week, and Eric Name commented it on Twitter. Like, this is kind of a load of crap. John Hollinger was killing the Bucks, saying they got exposed by a team that could play small ball, and the Bucks' small ball lineup wasn't very good. Well, yeah, that's because it didn't include Chris Middleton. <laughs> you know what I mean? The Bucks' best remaining offensive player after Giannis and after Drew Holiday this postseason was Brooke Lopez. They needed his offense out there. Even if he was bigger than they wanted to play, they needed him out there. They didn't have the option to go small the way they wanted because Chris Middleton was injured. So to say that the Bucks' defense is, is falling behind and their strategy is falling behind, mm, 
I don't think so. They just need Chris Middleton back. But even with Chris Middleton back, they need to find a way to get more consistent, sustainable offense in the half court. I don't know how they're going to do that this offseason. They get a taxpayer mid-level exception. That's about six and a half million bucks. They got the 24th pick that they need to select. They could trade after the fact, but they can't trade it before. So we'll see. I, I think it'll be a little bit of a back to the drawing board situation for Bud too. hopefully coming up with some new fresh ideas for the half court, but probably a roster shakeup of some kind as well. Let's take a break. I want to get into the Packers. I want to talk about the Packers, continue to talk about the Packers defense. We're going to hear a little bit from Joe Barry uh, in about 20 minutes or so. And I'd love to hear from you. 608-796-2558. Give me a call. Give me a text. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. The Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus going to be here in an hour. Uh, Joe Barry going to be here in about 15, 20 minutes. And by that, I mean, we will talk to Eric on the phone and I will play you sound bites of Joe Barry that were actually recorded and edited and curated and sent to me via email by our good, good buddy, Zach Heil. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone yep. Network update, I'm Zach Heil. And we appreciate all he does. Zach and I are going to England here in a couple months. Very excited to go cover Packers and Giants in foggy London town. Very much looking forward to that. I want to start talking about the Packers, and I want to continue to talk about the Packers' defense. Uh, like I said, we're going to hear from Joe Barry. I thought he said some interesting things in his press conference last week. I actually thought a lot of his presser was not interesting, if I'm being honest with you, but there were a couple of things. So if you want to chime in on the NBA and the Bucks before we move along, and I'm mostly directing this at the caller who is now on the line, I will uh, do that, and then we're going to get into the NFL and talk Packers and talk defense here uh, for the next half hour. So welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hi, this is Jared um, from DeForest, first-time caller. Jared from DeForest. Jared, it's it's a pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. What's going on? Yeah, I was just listening to your uh, conversation about the Bucks and what maybe needs to happen in the offseason, and I'm kind of on the same page as you. I, I like a lot of the pieces that we have, and I don't think we need to make a major overhaul. Mm. Um, I think a lot of it's going to come down to coaching, um, something that came to my mind, um, there's a school, college school, this is college basketball, so it's a little bit different. I think it's either Bellarmine or St. Bonaventure. Um, they have a program that really emphasizes move, ball movement, mm-hmm. and they do, a lot of, they do a lot of winning. So I think that comes down to a coaching approach. Uh, these schools don't get, if they're mid-majors, they don't get those top-level recruits, but they still do a lot of winning. Um, so when it comes down, when you, like, when you lose a guy like Chris Middleton, I think it really comes down to coaching and changing your philosophies and how you're going to run things. I think a lot of the playoffs we saw uh, Drew Holiday try to, you know, just work his way down, chuck up a shot. Same thing with Giannis. Giannis ended up getting a lot of his buckets, but Drew um, couldn't carry in. So I think a lot of it just comes down to coaching philosophy and maybe when things are starting to get stale to, you know, work the ball around a little bit and, just get, find a better shot. I mean, Pat Connaughton was good at cutting to the basket, and get, finishing at the rim. There's yeah. different ways to move guys around and get the ball moving. That's generally good basketball. I know this isn't a technical, official basketball language way of putting this, but really what Coach Bud needs to do this offseason is come up with different strategies 
to make life easier for Giannis and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, right? Think about all of those guys and their individual skill sets. And now think of how to build an offense to make it easier on them. Because you saw Giannis and Drew were having to work, right? If they wanted to get to the rim or they wanted to get their shot, they were doing it all themselves. How can Coach Bud come up with some different strategies and different ways when the game slows down in the half court to get those guys moving towards the hoop to, to make their life a little bit easier, you know? Exactly. And maybe part of it was, you know, Pat was cold, um, Grayson was cold, so they maybe they went away from trying to get them open shots because they were hesitant because they weren't going to fall or whatever, but still good ball movement. You'd get those guys slash into the hoop and finish at the rim. Once they start seeing a, a, few, bu- a few buckets go in, then maybe their outside shot opens up and you get your whole offense reflowing. Yeah, yeah, I would like some more. I just wanted more pick and roll, some more two, two-man two game, to use a, another yeah. term that I think a lot of people use when they don't know what to say. I'm not a basketball coach, but get Drew and Giannis playing off of each other. Use those two running interference, setting screens for each other to get the defense moving. I thought way too often against Boston, especially, again, in the half court when their offense really struggled, they were going one-on-one, and they were trying to attack a defense that was stationary, that was there ready to defend rather than, moving a little side to side, getting things moving and trying to find a weak spot in the defense. I think that not huge overhauls, not ma- major changes to the offense or the roster, but just little things here and there, new wrinkles, new cards to play when, when things get tough in the playoffs again. I think we're agreeing, Jared. Yeah, I agree. And I do want to give Boston credit. I, um, mm-hmm. they, they guarded Giannis well. Like, they're small. Grant Williams, he did a really good job on Giannis and made his life really hard even when they went to small ball. Yeah, I will give Boston credit as well. I don't want to, uh, but I will. They're a really good team, and I would probably pick them to win the title right now if I had to bet on which team's going to win. I just they're deep. Everyone plays two ways. There's not a weak defensive link you can attack. I just they're they're really really good. Um, and that speaks to the the Bucks are really good too. They probably win without Chris Middleton. They almost won without him. Yep, <sighs> I agree. All right, Jared. All right, thanks for the call, man. It was nice yep. to meet you. Yep, nice to meet you too. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call. Yeah, of course. Have an awesome weekend. Jared in DeForest. New caller, everyone. We love that. New friend really is how we're looking at it. Um, let's move into the Packers here. A couple minutes before we take a break and then hear from Joe Barry. I have some cuts to play you that were sent to me by Zach Heilpern, and I'm very excited because they had all this availability with Adam Stedovich, who's the new offensive coordinator. He spoke to the media and Joe Barry. And really why I wanted to hear from Joe Barry is I wanted to get his thoughts on these first-round picks right, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. And, and really the topic that we've been discussing this week on the Packers defense is the, the expectation, right, the bar that they have to meet. How good does the Packers defense have to be? Does the defense have to be the better of the two units? Does the defense have to lead the team? Does it need to be a top three defense? I see a lot of people say, hey, this defense could be one of the best ones in the NFL. I kind of think it needs to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Here's Joe Barry talking about the expectations for the defense this season. Well, I, I think the expectations for this team, for this franchise, is, you know, we're, we're here for one reason. And, you know, everyone says that. There, there's 31 other teams that are saying that right now. But um, I think if, if, you know, we just keep making strides and keep getting better and better, um, I've said it before, you know, we're, we're, when you have a quarterback like we have, um, and if we keep doing our job building on defense, uh, our mindset is that we want to win a world title. You know, we want to win a championship. And that's the mindset that we have every single day when we walk into this building. 
Um, again, I mean, if you're in this league, you know, if you're, if you're one of 32 teams, everyone should have that mindset. But um, that, that's definitely what we're working towards. That's, uh, and we take it one day at a time. You know, uh, our, our process, uh, we don't get too far ahead. But that's, that's what we're looking to do, and that's what we want to do, and that's why we're here working every single day. I wonder how the mindset, uh, or how, how should I word this? Think of two defenses, right? Defense A is very, very good, and defense B is very, very good. We have two defenses there for all intents and purposes for this discussion, the same. Got some good edge rushers, good linebackers, good defensive line, good secondary. Maybe it's not the best defense in the world. We're not talking about the 85 Bears, right, or the Patriots in 2018, but we're talking about two very, very good defenses. And one defense has one of the best quarterbacks of all time also playing on their team. And the other defense has a guy who stinks, right? And the defense with the great quarterback knows that if they can just make two or three huge plays, they're going to win that game. They can play looser. They can play with some breathing room. They can play with the idea that there's a margin for error, right? And then the other defense knows, man, if we give up one touchdown, we're screwed, right? And that other defense has to watch the offense go three and out, three and out, three and out. And I don't mean to throw a stray at the Bears here, but think of the Bears defense, right? The Bears defense has been really good for years. The problem is they haven't had the quarterback. And I think as the season goes along, that wears down on the defense, knowing that, oh, okay, another Sunday that we got to carry the load. Another Sunday where if we don't score a touchdown, we're probably not going to win. Another Sunday of us going out there again and again and again because our offense can't hold on to the ball. So if you, if you have two defenses that are, for all intents and purposes, the same, the quarterback... Defense, the defense with the good quarterback. I'm really struggling to articulate this point, but hopefully you're getting what I'm saying. I think the defense that's supporting the better quarterback, as Joe Barry pointed out, has a certain advantage, can play with a certain edge and looseness and fastness, whereas a defense that's trying to support a poor quarterback might play more tight. You understand what I'm saying? That might be an advantage. Even if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing well and isn't playing at an MVP level and isn't playing amazing, when the defense knows that there's a quarterback that can handle themselves, I think that just brings a, a certain, it's just a different vibe completely. And again, I know I'm doing a terrible job articulating this, but hopefully you get where I'm coming from, right? Do you know what I mean? I think the Packers defense might be elevated even a little bit past its personnel just because Aaron Rodgers is on the other side and there's a certain energy that comes with that. It's a certain affordance to the defense to play a certain way, whereas a defense that playing for a lesser quarterback plays a little bit tighter. That's what I'm trying to say. Now I feel like I'm getting the words out correctly. Let's take a break. We're going to hear from Joe Barry coming up next on the first round picks. Both the guys from Georgia, the return of Jai Alexander, a whole lot more. And I want to keep hearing from you as well. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in a few minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Friday. Appreciate you hanging out. Give me a text or give me a call. 608-796-2558. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter at Wisco Grant. We're talking Packers defense expectations. What Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker are going to bring the return of Jair Alexander, all of it. The, the whole, the whole thing, the whole shoot and match. We're talking about that. We're going to talk about the Packers and their draft and their defense with Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus in about an hour. And I saved the receipts from Eric's podcast. 
following the draft. And I have this. I have this on the record. Eric is saying this. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. Yeah. <laughs> now, after that comment, he said, well, I didn't like this pick and this pick, but, you know, parts of it I like. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. But I only saved the two-second cut because, to me, this is all that matters right I now. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. Eric is going to join us in about an hour. I want to hear from Joe Barry. He spoke to the media last week, right? And we can stop and start and talk about what we hear. We can skip past parts of this presser that we don't care about. I'm, I'm free-flowing. I'm nothing if not flexible here, okay? Why don't we start? Joe Barry, his first impressions of Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, both rookies from Georgia, their first-round picks, both, I believe their picks, what, 22 and 28? Am I remembering that correctly? They're, they're you know, as a coach... Obviously, you love being around great players, there's no doubt. But great players that are football guys that love football, um, just the way they were, you know, the, the program they come from, um, you have to love football to play at the University of Georgia. And um, you, can, you can feel that in them instantly. So great guys, um, but they're young. You know, their heads are, are swimming right now just being here for two days. But... Um, every single day is, is, you know, we can just stack a block with them. And then, um, obviously, we're, we talk about daily improvement with all of our team, but especially our rookies, the, the, especially those two young guys. Um, so, but it's, it's I'm, I'm, they, they look good in green and gold, I'll tell you what. Um, so I'm, I'm excited they're here. I don't know if there's really one thing in there that made my ears perk up. I'm not going to lie. A lot of coach speak. They're football guys. All right. Joe Barry, by the way, Joe Barry talks about how he's excited and he loves getting these guys in here. Any defensive coordinator would love <laughs> would love two first-round picks to add to his defense, both off one of the best defenses we've seen. I, I don't know. I'm no college football historian, right? Every time a team wins the national title, everyone wants to say, oh, it could be one of the best teams ever, you know, like with the 2019 LSU team and then this Georgia team. But this defense might be as good as any defenses I've seen recently in college football. Then again, I don't love college football, so I'm probably not the one to ask. But still, any defensive coordinator would love, hey, two first-round picks, both adding to your defense, both from an all-time great college football defense, big program, big recruits. Like Any defensive coordinator would be thrilled to have that, right? Football guys, love to have them here. Glad they're in the building. It's a lot of coach speak from Joe Barry. I think Devontae Wyatt is the easiest player to break down, one of the easiest draft picks to break down ever since I've been doing this job and maybe back even further, right? Defensive lineman around pick number 30 stud to put next Kenny Clark. Boom. That's all. That's it. That's all the more complicated. We need to get with Devontae Wyatt. He's an easy one. He's an easy pick to understand. Quay Walker, maybe a little bit more complicated. What I have boiled down with Quay Walker is I have a million thoughts, right? Oh, well, he's from Georgia. He does this. He's an off-ball linebacker, this and that. What I have boiled down with Quay Walker is I've thought about all the different thoughts and the different ideas since they've drafted him. What I've boiled it down to is I just love the idea of adding a top athlete with a pedigree into the mix, right? The Packers defense isn't perfect, but now with the addition of Devontae Wyatt, they got a lot of guys up front. Kenny Clark, Devontae Wyatt, Dean Lowry. You can move Rashawn Gary inside if you want, right? It's a good unit. Edge rusher, you could use a little depth, right? Which is why I really like the idea of George Karloftis. That's obviously not the route the Packers elected to go. They could have taken him twice if they wanted. But corner, love it. Safety, love it. All right, so you take an off-ball linebacker who's rangy and fast and long and tall, and you just turn him loose to run around and make plays. That's the guy who's historically been Jake Ryan or 
who else have they had? Chris Barnes, who was undrafted, right? Or Ty Summers, right? They've been trying to get by at that position. Let's get an athlete in there, an athlete that normally the Packers don't have an opportunity to draft, right? Because they're not picking high enough to get a Devin White or a Levante David type player in the middle of their defense, right? All right, next, forget first impressions. What can Devontae, Wyatt, and Quay Walker add to this defense? Yeah, you know, I, I think Quay, I think uh, Devontae, you know, I, I think both those two young guys are, you know, but, um, you know, they're young guys that got to come in and they got to earn their stripes right now. They got to, they, first of all, they got to learn and know what to do. But um, they're two young, exciting players. They really are. And I just can't wait. Every, like I said, they've been here for two days officially so um i am just I, I spring out of bed every single day just just and sprint to the office knowing that they're going to be here but we, we got a lot of guys that are, that are putting in a lot of great work that's that's the thing that finally um you know i don't know if you guys realize we're we're not in COVID anymore from a from a standpoint with we, we haven't had an off season in the last two years so it's been great for us with our with you know as coaches we want guys in the building you know, we want to be able to coach them and teach them, and uh, we've gotten away from that the last two years. So, I think it's I think it's a huge benefit uh, compared to the previous two rookie classes where they didn't get this time. So this this time is invaluable to to everybody, but you know, specifically a young guy like Quay and and Dy who are coming in as rookies that are learning a brand new you know, way of language. They're learning a brand new playbook. So it's been great. Good reminder that they're finally having a normal off season. Because I forgot about that. The last two years, we've gotten used to COVID being a part of the discussion and part of the conversation and part of the way that we analyze what's going on with our teams and who's available and who's not and the schedule and kind of the flow in which these teams operate. This is a good reminder that they're actually having a normal offseason, which is especially beneficial for the Packers because they have two first-round picks, two second-round picks that amounted to one wide receiver. I'm glad they have the extra time, the full offseason, to acclimate these guys, Right. Other than that, I'm not sure what you take away from Joe Barry's presser so far. It's it's a little hokey. Like, oh, man, these guys are young. They've only been in here for a couple days. I'm sure their heads are just swimming. It's uh, it, it's like that scene in The Office when they get bought by Sabre. I think this is when this happens. And it doesn't really change how The Office works. But I, I don't remember if it's Joe Bennett or maybe it's Robert California comes in. Oh, you must have a million thoughts going through your mind. What's Sabre? What's this new company? And they're all like, no, we're, we're still selling paper. Like, nothing's really changed. I just, these guys' heads are swimming. There's so much we're throwing at them. Well, hopefully they'll figure it out. Right? They're probably smart guys. They've played a lot of football. Let's keep going. Quay Walker specifically, what does he bring? Joe Barry, tell us. I mean, bottom line, just production. You know, you, you think of all the things that, that Dre did for us as, as, as a leader, as a captain, and then... You know, like I said earlier, it's this is a production-based league, you know, and, um, you know, guys have to be in position to make plays. And uh, you look what, what that did for our defense last year with Dre. And that that's what Quay, you know, that's what he proved. If you, you watch, you know, it, it's hard not to. You watch any Georgia football game last year. It's hard not to see seven flying around making plays. So um, he just has that ability. He has that skill set. Um, and I think he has the, the, the mindset of what you want. You know, we talk about you can surround yourself with a bunch of guys that love football. Um, good things are going to happen, and, and Quay loves ball. Maybe this is me hearing what I want to hear, right? But I hear him say production, production. He's going to bring production. 
I hear that as confidence in the rest of the defense, right? When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl two years ago, everyone made a big ado about their inside linebackers, Levante David and Devin White. Oh, these guys are the best. Wow. That's one way to build a defense. Well, really, Tampa's defense was so good because their defensive line was nasty and their edge rushers could get to the quarterback without bringing extra bodies. Their secondary was really, really good because of all the premium positions and premium draft choices that have gone to safety and corner. So really, Levante David and Devin White, their jobs were easy. They didn't have to hold up in coverage. They didn't even have to rush the quarterback. They could just kind of move around, do what they want, float, read the field, be instinctual and make instinctual plays, right? And clean up the scraps. And they did a really good job cleaning up the scraps. They did so really effectively, right? That's what I'm hearing with Joe Barry about Quay Walker. We need someone who's going to mop up the scraps left behind by Kenny Clark and Jair Alexander and Devontae Wyatt and Rashawn Gary, right? That's what I hear, right? Also, versatility is huge. Versatility is key. The ability to play multiple. This is big in basketball, too, as we're watching the basketball playoffs right now. Look at the Warriors or the Mavs or the Heat or the Celtics and and. Try to pick out the ways in which these teams can reinvent themselves over the course of a series, right? The ways in which they can play smaller or they can get bigger or they can put shooters on the floor or take shooters off the floor, right? Teams that have lots of good players who do different things, just open doors to play different styles. You have a key to every lock that you run into in a playoff series throughout the course of the NBA playoffs. That's important. You want players that grant you flexibility in the NFL, too. Right, players that allow you to line up different ways. Joe Barry, we've been told, loves his star position. Right? Well, maybe they play Quay Walker there. Could also be Darnell Savage. Could even be Jair Alexander, depending on how they want to line up Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas, the other two corners. Right? So Quay Walker being in the mix along with Devondre Campbell and in the mix of a defense that already's got a pretty good edge rusher group, defensive line, secondary, you can move them around and now you have the ability to play multiple and reinvent yourself and readjust yourself and move around and give different looks as a defense. And that's really important because when you draft Quay Walker, I think they were also trying to draft some flexibility and hopefully we see that play out this fall. Let's take a break. I want to hear from Joe Barry coming up next on Jair Alexander, his return to the Packers and what that looks like. We'll take a break. Come back. Do that on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're talking Packers defense. You got to reset the show for a few minutes at 5 o'clock. Talk a little bit about last night's game between the Celtics and the Heat. Mavs Warriors game two tonight. We can touch on that. Uh, I have a clip from a podcast that I found to be very therapeutic. I saved it because I thought maybe I'd end up sharing it with you. Uh, if as a Bucks fan, you're struggling to watch the Celtics play well and win, and they're going to win this series. Uh, they're always going to win this series. Uh, but you find yourself annoyed by the Celtics. I have a clip that I'm going to play you. I think it will be therapeutic for you as it was for me, which is why I saved it. Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, is going to join us at 530 to talk Packers draft. In the NFL. Really excited. We haven't talked to Eric in a while, so I'm amped to get him on. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. You can find me on Twitter, and please, if you're listening right now and you're like, wow, this show is great. Where do I get more of this content? This guy, I like I like what he's laying down. Well, then follow me on Twitter 
at Wisco Grant. And you can text and call the show 608-796-2558. We've been listening in on Joe Barry's press conference, which is about a week old now, but I mean, it's not aging. We haven't even finished. Well, rookie minicamp, I think is done. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been following every coming and going of the Packers offseason schedule, right? We've been hearing from Joe Barry a little bit about his first impressions on some of the rookies and what they could offer this defense if they perform and they stay on the field and they earn their playing time. I have one cut that I want to play for you, um, and it's him talking about the return of Jair Alexander, which I really like. But first, let's talk to Brett and lacrosse. Brett, hello. Happy Friday. What's up, Grant? Uh, not much. Uh, at work this morning, we had a we had a spring cleaning day, so we brought in a dumpster, and everyone came to the office at 8 o'clock this morning, which is normally a little bit earlier than I get in, and we were carrying yeah. stuff for a couple of hours. So I'm a little tired. I had to go buy a Red Bull, but... Once the show starts, I can wow. normally get myself amped up. I just I wanted to did, bring that up did, to show people I'm capable of manual labor. Did you just did you throw Carney in it or or what? No, actually. Um, let's see. I was cleaning out the WKTY studio. I didn't. Mm-hmm. That that studio is typically pretty clean. Not a lot of garbage in you there. Making I, making room for me to come in and be your co contributor. Of co- of course. That's that's what I was yeah, doing. Yes. Yeah. How could I? Of course. Yeah. I mean, if if anybody ever wants to get a hold of you on Twitter at Wisco Grant is definitely the way to not get a reply. Well, you you DM'd me first of all. First of all, seeing you seeing you brought this up, you DM'd me, and I don't follow um, you back. I didn't know that you had a Twitter. So the DM of someone who doesn't who I don't follow goes into this weird back yeah. account that I. It's an inbox I don't see. Oh, if you tweet yeah, yeah, at me, yeah. I will answer you right away because I'm always I, on Twitter. I created one just to send that to you. Well, and you know what? I'm going to follow you back now, so at least I'll see your DMs. I appreciate that. Yeah, no. The next time I'll be on is the next time I need to send you something. So All right. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. What, what do you think about uh, what Joe Barry's got to say about this Packers defense? you feeling it or no? Uh, I, I, again, I kind of told I told Evo today, like, I'm just looking for improvement. I'm looking for top five would be great. Mm-hmm. On paper, Everything is always either well. It could go either way. It could be better. It could be worse. I mean, could be the same. Packers didn't. Wow. Packers didn't look like they were supposed to be good at all the last few years, and all of a sudden we picked it up the second half of last season. So, Defensively or just in general? What do you mean? Because I, I feel like they're supposed to be good every year. They have air, okay, okay. Okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So it 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 all kind of depends. I mean, honestly, when it comes to the early season grades and it comes to everything like that, I. All I do is I sit here and hope for the best. I think we need another receiver. I think Lazard is going to be amazing, but I think that that we need another veteran and that it's going to happen. It's just now sitting and waiting and trying not to just get mad every time something doesn't happen. I think a lot of these free agents and Odell Beckham's one, they feel the need. If they haven't signed yet, why do they need to do it? Let's wait. Let's see how the, right. the league plays out. And I, and I think maybe well, we'll and, see and this flurry of signings. Once we kind of get a feel for who's good and who's not, maybe some of these free agents that are still out there feel a little bit more comfortable signing somewhere. Yes and no. I mean, I, I, I look at it like, okay, so we're waiting just like they're waiting. So if they're waiting for somebody that's a possible Super Bowl contender mm-hmm. to actually reach out, the Packers aren't ever doing that right this second. It's oh, we did sorry. our draft. Let's call it good for a while. Yeah, yeah we should absolutely. I feel like they but, are. You, you're telling me that nobody from the Packers has at least sent a text or a call to Odell Beckham's representation. I don't buy into that. I don't know. I think they would tell me he has to cut his hair first. 
That's why do you see? Why do you even say that? His hair's fine. It's not even that weird. What is it? A little pink? Yeah, it's a little goofy. Yeah, well, our no, quarterback's hair is a little but goofy I don't, too. I, don't know. I mean, it it all kind of depends. I mean, really, it it always feels like every season that that this is about the lull time, yeah. and something will happen the first couple weeks of preseason or the first couple weeks of the season, and I really kind of wish that somebody would just make a move within this time frame and do something just a little bit different and not follow the same playbook every single year. Hmm. All right. Well, we can we can stick with that. Uh, Brett, I have to let you go. Have an excellent weekend. I've promised the, the, the folks that I will play this one soundbite about Jair Alexander, and if I don't do it, I feel like I've lied to everyone. Right. Yeah, you, you probably should play it. So you have a good weekend, and we'll <laughs> yeah. talk to you next week. Yeah, you too. Thanks for the call, Brett. Have a good one. Joe Barry on Jair Alexander coming back. You know, I, I've, I've said it up here many times, um, and I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but I'm a firm believer in this league. You, can, you can't have enough corners. So that's um, it's that's great. You know, Jair said. wasn't going anywhere, that's but the best thing he's uh, said. and technically, you know, nothing. I, I haven't heard. Honestly, I, I we have not even talked about it yet because, you know, uh, when it becomes official, it will, it will become official. But um, but I, I'm just looking forward to getting 23 back in, in on, on the field and, and healthy and back to himself. And um, I think. No, no one really realized what he did just to get back for us for the playoff game because um, he had a, he had a, he had a major injury that, you know, a lot of guys would have just cashed it in and, and you know, said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll see you in, in May. Um, he busted his butt to get back and and um, and really was not 100 percent. And, and, you know, he played his butt off in that in that playoff game. So just co- goes to show you what kind of character he has, uh, what he's all about. We talk about football character. Jair Alexander has it. So um, it's it's exciting to have, obviously, Jair, to have Eric, um, to get Sewell back in, in free agency was great. So um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun once we get to OTAs next week. Wisco Sports Show back in two minutes. Stick around. And a swing and a drive in the center field. Justin is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Here's what we're not going to do, okay? And I, I don't, I, I, hold on, let me back up. Let me adjust my tone a little bit. Here's what I'd like to avoid, everyone. I am not going to become the post-game show for Evo in the morning, okay? I'm not going to do that. And this is mostly directed at Brett and Lacrosse, who just called us, and Eric on I-90. And we've gotten in this rhythm now where these two guys call me and they're like, well, I called Ebo this morning and told him, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. You tell Ebo tomorrow that you called me last night. That's the order of operations here, okay? Now, Ebo, he's got his he's got his callers in the morning that don't call me. I got my callers tonight that don't call him. And it's great that we're getting some crossover. Because now Ebo's on in lacrosse, and we're getting some crossover there. This is not going to become the over-the-line post-game show, okay? I'll make that loud and clear. You call me, you bring a take. It's not Ebo's leftovers from the morning. I don't get Ebo's repeats. If you're going to call me at night, you bring something fresh and new. You don't get to recycle material and tell me, well, I told Ebo this morning, but I guess I'll tell you too. No, 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 okay? 
That's, that's not how this works. And it's not going to work this way moving forward. You hear me? Really, I'm only directing this to two callers who I hear from quite a bit. Eric is basically an everyday standard on this show. And that's great. But Eric, Brett, it's got to be unique content. All right. Now I sound like Jim Rome. So I'm going to I'm going to back off a little bit. I'm going to calm down. We're going to continue the show. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. This is not the over the line post game show. It's not what this is. I hope you're having an awesome Friday. I need this weekend like I need. Well, like I need the Boston Celtics to go away and get out of my life. Same with the Miami Heat. Uh, we had a spring cleaning day at work today, which means I was here at 8 a.m., which is nice. We had a dumpster outside. We got to carry a lot of the crap out so the less clutter in the building. It's just nice, you know, clean out the office space. And then they, they bought us pizza for lunch. That was very nice. I'm a little tired today. I'm very excited to go home and in the peace and quiet of my living room, watch game two of the Western Conference Finals and see if my Mavs bet has any sort of legs at all. I put just a small wager on the Mavs plus 650 because I think there's value there. And I thought as a show, let's do it together. It would be fun. I think I brought this up earlier this week. And if the Mavs go on to win, who knows? Maybe that just funds a, a new PlayStation 5. That'd be nice. Uh, if the Warriors lose tonight or if the Warriors win tonight, don't tweet at me. I'm not, I'm not going to want to talk. <laughs> I won't be in the mood. 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick is here. What's going on, Rick? Well, I'm sitting in dead traffic uh, trying to get to Boston, but uh, I always had it in my head that when I sent you a text, even though you were talking, that it would pop up and you could see the text. You were talking about Top Gun the other day. Oh, I don't yes, think we you were. got it. That Where I said need for speed, you probably thought it had something to do with like a Packer receiver, but Tom Dude. Cruise says it a bunch of times in Top Gun, so that's why I said I have the need for speed. Do, I just wanted to let you know what that meant. Well, I appreciate that. Do the Packers also have a need for speed, though? Maybe there's some crossover here. We could learn something from Top Gun. Do the Packers need more speed at wide receiver? I think they might. Well, you're telling me that. I'm gonna. I'm just going to say Lazard's going to have 25 touchdowns. He's going to be a stud. Oh, so, Lazard has 25 touchdowns. All, holy smokes. <laughs> holy smokes. Hey, I, I saw a tweet that, that people are stuck in traffic on 94. Well, what's going on? Because isn't there a sign that says merge one at a time? Are people not following the instructions? Well, it's a bottleneck at New Lisbon. I knew it was bad. I do this route um, every third day, and I was going to get off in Camp Douglas. Uh, and then take 12 into Boston, but yeah. the waiting line to turn off into Camp Douglas was, I don't think I'm exaggerating, was Ugh. a half a mile long Ugh. alongside the interstate. The bottleneck, so I thought, well, I'll just stay on. The, the bottleneck isn't that long, though, is it, Rock and Rick? Isn't it like a mile tops? It's not It's not very long. The actual bottleneck's probably not even a half a mile. Yeah. But it's in, it's in New Lisbon. They're at New Lisbon, and that's 61, and I... I was at a dead stop at 55. So yeah. six-mile dead stop on the interstate. So I'm moving along at okay. a couple times I got up to about 15 miles an hour, but it's oh. bad. So I thought I'd give you a call and just uh, let you know what the need for speed was. Oh. I'd recommend watching the movie. Well, I, I got think, I got some I free time tomorrow, like so I, I think I might watch it tomorrow. I got some free time because I really want to see it next week, but I feel like I should watch the original first. You, yeah, you definitely should. Oh, it's, yeah. uh, I'm not going to say it's four stars by any means, but uh, I thought it was. If you, if you had a motorcycle like I do back in the day, I was about your age probably mm-hmm. when it came out. And as soon as I watched it, I had to hop on my bike because then I had the need for speed. Too. Ooh, 
I love that. Well, yeah. Well, okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. I'm going to write a couple things down, and we can debrief on Monday at some point. I'll, I'll talk about it. It doesn't need to be an amazing movie. My favorite movie is National Treasure, and that's not Gone with the Wind, but I just really like it because it's awesome. So if Top Gun's just awesome, I don't really care if it's not that good. Isn't National Treasure Nicolas Cage? Yeah, it's it's his magnum opus. It's his best work. God, I can't imagine a Nicolas Cage movie worth talking about. And <laughs> Most of them are pretty weird. I'll give you that. Although his new one, I, I see a lot of good things about where he plays himself. That's pretty interesting. Maybe I should see that movie this weekend, too. I haven't heard about that one. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't have a lot, I don't have a lot on the pack other than I'm looking forward to it, but I just wanted to let you know what the need for speed was. You'll you'll catch it once you watch it. Well, thank you. Drive safely and Godspeed as you navigate that bottleneck over by New Lisbon. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Grant. You too. Yeah, Rock and Rick. Summertime in Wisconsin, road construction and leaving runners in scoring position. Am I right, folks? <laughs> oh. Mm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's not my best joke I've ever made. 608-796-2558. Thank you, Rock and Rick, for the text. We weren't talking about Top Gun, but I'm always uh, worthwhile to circle back. Adam and Eau Claire. Uh, Dan Casper leftover is still fair game for your show. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Does does Dan get a lot of callers? See, I don't. I, I talk to Ebo once a week, and now Ebo is on um, our station here in Lacrosse. I don't hear a ton of Dan's show now because I don't hear it in the morning. Now, if you want to sneak a, a Dan Casper take onto my show, that's fine. Just don't tell me that it's a, a recycled take, and I probably won't know the difference. Zach in Eau Claire, National Treasure. You're better than that. An adaptation is Nick Cage's best flick. Okay, first of all, National Treasure is film. I mean, that's film personified. That's it's an exquisite movie. Okay, we got a um, not so Ed Harris is the villain in the second one. What's the guy's name? He plays Ned Stark. He's in Lord of the Rings, which we were talking about last week. Um, ah, Eric on I ninety. Eric, do you know who I'm talking about? Do you know the actor who plays Ned Stark in Game of Thrones? Oh, he's a really good actor too. He's been uh, he's oh man, he's been in so many movies. Um, you don't have an idea. Let uh, me, oh, it's Sean Bean. It's Sean Bean. I looked. Sean Bean or Ben. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's a good actor. He is great actor. What's going on, Eric? Well, I want to confirm Rock and Rick's uh, traffic report here. Good. Uh, he's dead on. A lot of a uh, lot of trouble there. You know. You know, me and Rock and Rick are out here. We're multitasking. We're we're calling into radio shows and we're driving. I just want you to picture yourself going down the road 79 miles an hour and doing the show. You know? I can't it's, fathom, Eric. I, I, I can't fathom doing what you do every day. The multitasking that you can per, have perfected is it's really it's beyond my comprehension level. I, I can't even understand it. And I, and I won't recycle anything about from this, this morning show now, but I'm just going to say, this ain't my fault. Oh, okay. They put these guys on at KTY in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't. I did this. I'm not making this up. You guys are. Sure. Right? Sure. Mm -hmm. And and you're the one who told me to call those two jack wagons down there. <laughs> yeah. And so I did. I called them up. You know, so I, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to redo anything that I say to them. I promise. Okay. Okay. So, so what is your original take for tonight's show? What What do you have to add here? Oh, my original take. I don't have a lot because this, you know, we're really in we're really in like no man's land in this NFL conversation, aren't we? I mean, we're just trying to build ourselves up. I mean, there's 
I used to be a guy who'd just sit and play between radio shows just to hear something about my team, right? And then somebody's going to say they're going to be good, right? Yeah. There's people out there doing it, right? And they're like, good. That guy on the radio who doesn't know anything just said the Packers are going to be good or, or the yeah. Vikings are going to be good. So, yeah. You know, but it's right. But you're, 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 you're kind of a dead zone, right? You got the Brewers left. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. think this is funny. I thought Caston Hira was his last name. Yeah, that's his name. And it's not. Wait, you thought his last name was Keston Hira, like all one word? And it's Keston, by the way. Keston with an E. You thought his last name was Keston Hira? His whole, his full last name was Keston Hira. Yep, that's what I thought. Well, that's his first and last name, Eric. I got it now. I got it now. I was reading something, and there it was. Oh, I'm glad. So, Look at you. So there's a full... There's, there's, I learned something today. Good. And then I want to argue with you on uh, Better Call Saul. Okay. Better than Breaking Bad. Okay. Well, what you you don't think it's? I don't. I wouldn't like say that it's for sure better. But if someone said it was better, I'm I'm not going to get mad. But yeah, let's talk about it. Go ahead. What, what do you got to add? Well, Breaking Bad was really really good until they killed off the main drug dealer. What was spoiler his name? alert? I can't remember that? It was Gus. Gus Spring. Yeah. Oh. Gus Fring, right? Mm-hmm. That whole series of story was really good. And then I think they kind of were reaching the last two years, I really think. Yeah. I, see, Gus is in Better Call Saul. If you want more Gus content, you just got to watch Better Call Saul then, Eric. Right, right. But, I mean, but he's just, I don't know. I guess I got to start over with Better Call Saul. Yeah, it's a slow start. It's it's a legal drama at first, and I you know I like my legalese. I like my lawyer drama. Maybe that's not your thing. Well, it has it is kind of my thing because my wife is actually really into lawyer shows, doctor oh. shows. I thought you were gonna say she's a lawyer. Cop shows. Well, she is a lawyer because she's oh. been watching so many lawyer shows. Oh, what right? kind of law does she practice? Do you mind if I ask? Well, TV law. Oh, right. That's okay. What okay. Okay. Now I get it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Eric. Well, I don't I, have a lot here. Huh? Yeah, th- this has been a pleasure, Eric. I, I think this call might need to come to an end. I think this. I think we might need to wrap hey, this up. Hey, I wanted to tell you one other thing, though. All right. One other thing. Go ahead. Have you listened? Have you listened to your podcast? Uh, typically I don't because I'm there for the recording of it. But should I? Am I missing something? Well. It, it seems like you're a little bit fast forward. You're, you're, it's, it's, it's ramped up. Oh, well, that is, if you just, you sure, I'll check. I'll look into it. How does that take, sound? Take a listen because you sound like that, you sound like that bongo music you guys play when, when you ain't got nothing to put on that drum song. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm talking about, I, don't you? Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm probably the only one who's listening right now that knows what you're talking about, but I do. Yes, and I will look into the podcast issue. Yes. Yeah, I just don't want you to. I just don't want somebody to listen to your podcast and go, "This guy's, this guy's like Mickey Mouse on the radio," you know? Yeah, I, I would, don't want that to happen. You got a wonderful radio voice. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, have an excellent weekend, my friend. Thank you for the call. Yeah, you too, bud. The real problem with the podcast, and Eric, I love you. Thank you. Have a good weekend. The real problem with the podcast is people are going to get to that part of the podcast where Eric calls in to tell me about what his wife watches on TV. That's going to be the problem with the podcast, not with, not the pace with which I'm speaking. 
Oh, my God. You bring up Nick Cage movies. I have, like, ten texts, and everyone thinks Nick Cage's best movie is something different. This was Cody uh, or Cody from Lacrosse. Uh, if you like National Treasure, watch Uncharted. I feel it has a similar plot line. Okay, thank you. Uh, Joey Tropicana says, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. Do you remember when he brainwashed Katie Holmes? Uh, I don't. Uh, Surveyor Sam says, no, Raising Arizona is Cage's best work. Uh, Dan and Broadhead says, Nick Cage's best has got to be Face Off. Okay. Uh, Zach and Eau Claire says, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's got a 46%. No one says it's gone with the wind, but it's still a bitchin' movie. The other guy says, Nick Cage's career peaked with The Wicker Man. Okay, interesting. Uh, and Jamie at Ken's Barbershop says, Eric sucks. Okay, so we're all caught up. Good. Here's the thing with Eric. I love Eric, but recently it seems like Eric has picked up the phone and called me with zero idea of what he wants to talk about. And that, th- then we're getting in the danger zone. There needs to be a reason for the call. It can't just be a call for the sake of the call. The, 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 the idea needs to come before the phone is dialed. Uh, Eric does not suck. His presentation recently has been lackluster. I agree, Jamie. Let's take one more call before we, t- before we take a break. I, if somebody asked me this second what we're talking about currently on the show, I would not know what to tell them. I have no clue. Uh, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Oh, this is Daniel. Daniel. I was afraid it was Eric on uh, I-90's wife. I'm sure she's a, a, a lovely woman. But is this this is your first call, I believe, Daniel? I don't think we've met. Yes, it is. Oh. I have a question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a comment. For one, Yeah. there's better shows out there. But for those guys that said they're in that traffic jam, why didn't they get off at Talman and go down 12 and 16 knowing it's there in the first place? But the reason I also call is because of the Packers. Do you yeah. think that defense is going to put us I think the defense is a lot better, and I think the receivers would be better than people think. And, you know, as long as you have a quarterback, if they remember back in the 80s, we never had a quarterback. We had a great receiver in James Lofton. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, and I see in the paper, a lot of people are saying that Adams, they wanted to keep Adams. Well, Adams didn't want to stay. If he's got the wrong attitude, I don't want him either. He did. They offered him everything, and I think they threw at him every time last year. Because they want him to show that he is the man. Yeah. And he just got us. And then they were trying to, I guess you would say, kiss his rear end, trying to get him to stay here. He didn't matter what they did, he was not going to stay. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Do you agree with me or not? Um, I'm a, I, I agree with you there. I think two years ago, if the Packers would have offered him this huge, massive deal, then yes. I just think it got to the point where Devontae Adams is like, well, look, I'd rather be somewhere else anyways. So if we're going to go back and forth on this, and this is going to be a whole ordeal, I'll just leave. And and I respect him for that. I actually don't mind. If you want to go play for the Raiders, go get your big deal. Fine, we'll trade you. We'll, we'll send you where you want to go, and we'll get some picks back in return. And it actually wasn't the worst deal in the world. I, I agree with you. I think he was gone coming into this. I, I think this season was going to be his last season. And I I agree with you. I think the defense could be better. And I think Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback at the center of all of this certainly helps things, not having Devontae Adams and bringing in some younger players. I think Aaron Rodgers helps kind of facilitate all that. And I remember when we lost Sterling Sharp to the injuries, and everybody says we'd never, never, ever, ever win. And next year we were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. In a couple of years. And then uh, when we lost James Lofton, they said we'd never have a winning season because of his rape uh, allegations. Mm-hmm. And he went out to the Raiders. What's strange about it, he went to the Raiders. Yep. And, and then failed. And I mean, a decent season. But we never had a receiver ever leave Green Bay and have a successful season. Maybe the closest one is Cobb. 
and maybe James Lofty want to say, but they never really did anything after they left Green Bay, and people got to realize that. And I really think Adams is only going to have about forty catches this year. I think Adams is not the same. Yeah, it's not going to be the same. I think Adams will be very good, and I think he's the best. Yeah, I think he's better than Jennings and Nelson and all these other guys who have departed. I just don't know if he's going to get force-fed the ball the same way that the Packers ran their entire offense through him, right? And I don't know if that's even Adams' fault. It's probably better for Adams. Take a little bit of that stress off him because now he's getting a little bit older, right? Maybe it's not the best thing in the world for him to get all those catches. But I I, I think I agree with everything you said, Daniel. And you know what? I appreciate you because you called in. You, you gave some traffic advice. You quickly moved on to your takes. You presented what you wanted to say. And now things have come to a natural conclusion. And I just think that this was an excellent call. Thank you, Daniel. Have a good day. Have a have a great weekend. Thank you for the call. Why don't you just get off in Tomith? You know the traffic's going to be bad. Hey, I've been thinking the same thing since 4 o'clock, Daniel. I don't know what to tell you. Let's take a break. We'll talk about a couple more Packer things, get to some more of your texts, and why not? We'll talk Nick Cage and then Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, coming up at 530. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show uh, and travel advice center. Give me a call. I guess traffic traffic's on 94. It's really bad. Uh, I would recommend exiting on Toma. Exit before New Lisbon. New Lisbon is too late. Maybe even Toma's too late. In fact, Wild Bill says Oakdale is better yet. You know what? Just exit in lacrosse, for God's sake. And just take 14 to Madison. Why not? Save, your, save yourself a couple of hours, apparently. Uh, Rock and Rick says Con Air and Frozen Ground. I don't know what that means, Rock and Rick. If those are Nick Cage movies, they are movies I haven't heard of, and if it's a comment about traffic, I don't know what you mean. Uh, the callers and texters have been, uh, we've been a little off the wall today, and you know what? I don't mind, uh, because we've gotten our, our big topics of conversation in. We've heard from Joe Barry. We've talked more about the Packers' defense, uh, and we're going to talk with PFF Eric, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, co-host of the Forecast Pod. We're going to do that in about 15 minutes. In fact, I have the soundbite of Eric Eager. I have him dead to rights that he loves the Packers draft. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. I like the Green Bay Packers draft, he says. Uh, Now, he went on to talk about the draft a lot more and a lot of things he actually didn't like. But, hey, that's actually what matters is this second and a half of audio. I like the Green Bay Packers draft. Yes, sir. Jim is in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Jim? Welcome. How in the world are you, brother? I haven't talked to you in, in a long time. I'm great, Jim. Uh, now I'm better that I have a chance to reconnect with you. Uh, well, what's new in your life? What's going on? <laughs> well, first of all, <clears throat> Ghost Rider. I'm not saying it's his best movie. Ghost Rider. But he was flaming on that thing. And, and and I think, you know, it's it's a fun thing to watch. I think Nicolas Cage is, is a – he's – He's him, you know? That's a great and, way of looking uh, at it. That's I, Jim, I think you nailed yeah. it. I think this is what everyone needed to hear. He He's him, all right? You got to love Nick Cage for Nick Cage. Yeah, and, and it's, 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 and he's able to do twists and turns. That's one. Two, um, I mean, I played football, and everything looks good on paper, okay? Mm-hmm. And you should be, uh, I don't believe you're, you know, if you're pessimistic about your team, well, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, so I, I'm still trying to figure out what's going on there. But I'm still, I'm, st- I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, they're going to stink or whatever. But I think what's really funny is I hear people overanalyzing, and 
you know, things happen. Injuries happen. All kinds of things happen. Yeah. And just sit back and enjoy the game. And please tell Eric he needs to realize he's at the center of attention. This is just because you want to come on and be negative or something or just cause some. Eric, enjoy the season. And uh, and I'm just saying to you, it's the weekend, brother. I'm going to go fishing. And uh, and I I just wish you the best. I just wanted to throw those two things out. You're doing a great job. I like you more than Evo. So wow. I'm just telling you. Wow. Well, really, that's what I needed to hear. That was the best way to end that call. Thank you, Jim. Have an excellent weekend. About time we hear from Jim Madison. And I don't know if Jim was taking a shot at Eric on I-90 or if he's preemptively taking a shot at our upcoming guest, Eric Eager. Either way, I love it because I love the drama. Uh, we don't really have beef between callers on this show. We're, we're a very tight-knit, close community here. There's not a lot of discourse uh, among all the different callers. Maybe we need some. Uh, maybe we need an Eric on I-90 versus uh, Ed and Madison beef. Uh, or better yet, we haven't heard from Popalock Chris in a while. Maybe we should match up Popalock Chris, get him matched up against Brenda and Madison. That would be a, a heavyweight battle of callers. We just don't have a lot of drama. Maybe we need some more drama. I have now been alerted that Con Air is a Nick Cage movie. Uh, and I apologize for not knowing that. John Malkovich is in it, I see, and Steve Buscemi and John Cusack. How many Cusack siblings are there? Because one of, not Joan, but who's the other one? The sister is in Better Call Saul. And I didn't realize that there's like 10 of them and they all look really similar. Like what kind of family was that growing up? I need the background info for the Cusacks or Cusacks, or however you say it. You know what I mean. You know what I'm talking about. They all look exactly the same. But Con Air, I'm intrigued. Uh, newly paroled ex-con and former U.S. Ranger Cameron Poe finds himself trapped in a prisoner transport plane wherein the passengers seize control. It isn't, so was he on, was Nick Cage in The Rock? Or am I thinking of somebody else? He was, right? Not The Rock, the actor. I want the movie, Google. Half of the show, I swear to God, is me wrestling with Google. He is in Nick Cage. Sean Connery, I, so I have seen The Rock. Not a big movie guy, which is kind of messed up because we actually talk about movies on the show more than we probably should for the, you know, for the amount of movies I've actually seen. I like The Rock, but National Treasure, guys, I'm sorry. I, I think it. I think it's better than all these. We're running a couple minutes behind. I got to take a break so we can get to Eric on time because I told Eric 530 and it's already going to be like 533 or 534 when I give him a call. And I don't like that. It's not professional. So let's take a break. We're going to give Eric a call. Talk Packers defense, Packers draft with Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, tweet me at Wisco Grant. My name is Grant Bills. We talked a lot about the Bucks and the Celtics and the Heat. Game two of the conference finals tonight. If you missed that, go find it in the podcast. We've been talking Packers for the last half hour. I made the mistake of mentioning a Nick Cage movie, and I've gotten a text from at least a dozen of you uh, with your Nick Cage pick for his best movie. Uh, a couple for Con Air, a couple for Raising Arizona, Ghost Rider. That was an interesting one from Jim. Not sure if I agree about that. Eric Eager is here now to talk Packers and football, thank God. Pro Football Focus, you can hear him on the Forecast Pod. Eric, once upon a time, spends a little time in lacrosse. Eric, it's now officially summer in lacrosse. It is beautiful outside. 
Uh, the downtown is popping, but not with the young riffraff. They've made their way out of town. This is lacrosse is peaking as we speak right now outside. Uh, I can't wait to come visit the summer, ride my bike up the bluffs a little bit, uh, have some food. <laughs> I I don't even want to say a restaurant because then I'll exclude all the other great ones. So wow. um, I'm looking forward to coming visit uh, the, the great weather there. What is what's What's life like in Cincinnati right now? Does it get really hot there? I have no context for what Ohio is like any time of the year. It, it was hot. It, it's hot today for sure. Last night it was raining cats and dogs. I was out for a friend's birthday, and I honestly got had to take an Uber for like a five-block trip back <laughs> to do uh, a show. Uh, people don't people don't understand that when you're on you know on the radio or TV every once in a while you have you can't look like you just uh, got hit by a rainstorm. So. Uh, so is life. Uh, yeah, the, the, the weather in lacrosse this time of year is way better than the weather in Cincinnati, but it makes up for it because I, I've yet to shovel uh, in oh. my four-year stay in the state of Ohio. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, then then you're coming out ahead, trust me. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the Packers draft, and I realized I hadn't had anyone on to talk about it. Uh, I would like to just go over uh, two or three of the Packers picks with you, kind of rapid fire really quickly. Quay Walker... First round, early 20s. I get it. Off-ball, linebacker, reach of a pick, according to a lot of teams. I know there was a lot of variance with him and, and how certain people kind of evaluated him. Can I can I tell you why I'm excited about it as, as a fan, how I've convinced myself and built this up that this is a fun pick? I think sure, sure. The, the rest of the Packers' defense is, is pretty darn good, I think. The secondary's got a lot of good players. They added Wyatt to the defensive line to go with Kenny Clark. Edge rusher could have a little bit more depth, which is why I liked the idea of Karloftis with either of those first round picks, but they seem content with Preston Smith and, and Rashawn Gary. I just like the idea of a really big, long physical athlete with the pedigree from a top college defense in the middle of the defense, because I had to watch Jake Ryan. I had to watch Ty Summers. I've had to watch all of these guys at that position. And the idea of a blue chipper for lack of a better term, I, I like that. So give me Quay Walker. I'm, I'm excited for that reason. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. Like we, um, you know, so Walker was, you know, uh, when you looked at his betting market, he was you know, slated for like about pick 40 and a half. And mm-hmm. we got some information from actually his agent that people wanted him in the round one. So rounds at the office, uh, I asked, actually asked my boss, Chris Collins, I was like, Hey, nice. uh, have you watched Quay Walker yet? And he went back into his office. He watched Quay for about five minutes. He came back and he goes, yeah, that's a first round pick. Wow. And, uh, so that was kind of fun. He, you said it reminded him of Deion Jones. I think he's a little taller. I think a little bit more athletic. You know, sometimes you can fall into a trap as a team, you know, when you have a pretty complete team. And I, I think you're right. I mean, Amos, Gary, uh, Alexander, um, you know, you have on that defense a lot of blue chip talent that, you know, you'll add a, t- a player at a non-premium position. I think of the Chiefs with, you know, Edward Delaire onto that offense. And it's still not necessarily a great value pick. Um, but I don't. I don't think he's going to be a bad player for this team at all. And I think if you're Green Bay, you're thinking about, okay, you know, you've won 13 games for three straight years. Um, you know, you have to change up the way you do win so you can win in January. I think having one of the league's best defenses might be uh, a way to do it. Um, and especially given the way wide receiver fell. I mean, the the sixth and final wide receiver in round one went at pick 18. So what were the Packers really supposed to do? Okay, so let's circle back. I want to ask you about Watson and Wyatt, but since you went big picture with the Packers defense and with wide receiver, two other things that I was hoping to get get to with you. With wide receiver, and, and maybe as, as a Chiefs fan, you've experienced this too, what is a contending team to do, right? When you are picking at the end of the first or second round, 
you're just not going to have wide receivers that get to you. So you're either going to have to reach or you're going to have to trade up. Brian Gutekunst with an extra second round pick decided to trade up for Watson, which was really expensive and aggressive. But I, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. If you need a wide receiver, which you could just say is a bad position to be in, don't be in that position. I don't know what you're supposed to do. You're going to have to give up something somewhere. And that's why I can sleep okay at night knowing that they jumped up to get Watson is because I don't really know what other choice they had. Yeah, you're not going to get value trading as far as they would have had to trade up. I'm not a huge fan of Traylon Burks. Um, so you would have had to go, you know, the Chris Olave, the Jahan Dotson, who I thought would have, you know, his his player prop was much closer to where Green Bay was picking yeah. than where he actually went at pick 16. So really the board just didn't fall for them in a way that they could take a wide receiver uh, with their first-round picks. And you don't really want to trade up. And I, I that, to me, is the one criticism of the Christian Watson pick is, is you traded up with a division rival, gave up some value to the Vikings, which you really never want to do. But in, the, in round one, I thought it was fine. I mean, Wyatt had some off-field issues. Uh, I think that those, you know, Green Bay, generally speaking, does a pretty good job of concealing, uh, you know, or, you know, just like making players into, you know, better citizens. Generally, you don't see a lot of, of stuff come out of Green Bay, so maybe that's a good landing spot for him. Um, you know, but, yeah, the board just never fell for them to be able to take a wide receiver. And honestly, you know, when you lose Adams, you're taking a little bit of a step back, but you, you know, you look at it now, Romeo Dubs out of Nevada, very good prospect. Watson is a little bit of a project being an FCS player, but you know, you pair him, Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, like, and then you get uh, Robert Tunyon back for the play action stuff at the middle of the field. Yeah. It's all of a sudden crystallizing into not that bad of a situation for Aaron Rodgers in the past. The one thing that worries me, and, and this is probably unique, a concern of mine because I talk about this stuff every day and I have to watch all the pressers and I need to be really focused in on everything that happens with the Packers is Watson had issues with drops. I don't know that he's the most polished guy. He's a physical wide receiver that they want to shape into uh, their number one, right? And and I'm good with that, but I just know how this could go. I could see this becoming an issue with drops and all of a sudden we're in week five or six and the confidence isn't there. We saw that with Adams when he was a younger wide receiver. And now all of a sudden we're hanging on every word that Aaron Rodgers does in his Wednesday presser and, and Rodgers now feels the responsibility to keep us in the loop and, and he's going to mentor him, but he's going to do it in some bizarre way. I just, that's the thing that worries me about Watson, right? As the player, not, not the draft process, but the actual player. I, I just feel like if he's not polished, in his rookie year, which I don't think he will be, it could get weird just because of how Aaron Rodgers kind of operates. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the biggest thing with wide receivers is less about talent with Rodgers and more about trust. I mean, Randall Cobb is, is basically, you know, a shadow of who he used to be, but oh, yeah. he's back on this football team because that Aaron Rodgers trusts in him. And same thing with Adams. I mean, 2015, 2016, there were rumors that Adams was going to get cut. And that, of course, then he becomes the best wide receiver in the entire league, so it simply takes time. And I think if you're betting Green Bay this year, for example, um, I don't necessarily know if I'd like bet them to win the division. I don't think I'd bet them, uh, you know, over their win total. But I'd bet them, let's say, ten to one to win the Super Bowl because to me, the the real thing that they're trying to hit on. I mean, they winning thirteen games, winning the NFC North, all of that is not going to satisfy Green Bay's fan base. Anymore. No, like they have to win a Super Bowl and. You know, taking a step back in the passing game to possibly take a step forward is is what Kansas City did when they traded when they traded Tyree Kill, and it's what I think the Packers are doing. You know, having a passing game that's less consolidated because when you get to the playoffs, you're playing a bunch of teams who are healthy in the secondary, 
you're playing a bunch of teams that are good in the secondary, and good, healthy teams in the secondary can take away one option. And so you need to have three or four, even if your top one isn't as good as your top one was previously. We're talking with Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. <clears throat> He's on Twitter at PFF underscore Eric. The forecast pod with George is, is really, really good. To me, this offseason was Brian Gutekind shaking things up and saying we're no longer trying to have a defense that's just good enough, right, which has been the goal forever, right? And, and he said we're going to try to stack our defense as much as possible because nothing else has worked post, you know, 2010 when it gets to the playoffs, right? They've come close a couple of times, but not consistently. Are they trying to be a defense first team? And is that their new strategy of trying to shake things up and go about this differently? And if that's the case, Eric, and if it is, how good does this defense have to be, right? Is is the eighth best defense in the league good enough? Or is this defense truly going to have to be one of the best in football if they want to get to the, the Super Bowl and accomplish their goals? Yeah, I, I don't think you can win anymore the way that like the 2015 Broncos won it or the 02 Bucks or the mm-hmm. 85 Bears won. Uh, you know, 2,000 Ravens with that kind of defense and an offense that can't produce. I think that they're really leading on the quarterback to overcome a lot of deficiencies on offense because it's, it's a lot easier for your quarterback to overcome 10 deficiencies than it is for you on defense. Every player sort of is, is building the collective. And then they, they're also, you know, using the fact that they've had some success hitting on players at high impact positions that don't cost as much. Adrian Amos, is a great free agent signing. He's a great safety. He's actually not that expensive relative to the value he adds to the team. Darnell Savage, the same way. Jared Alexander just got the most uh, expensive deal at cornerback, but honestly, that actually pushed money into the future more so than it than it did to the present. And then Rashawn Gary, the 12th overall pick for Michigan, is a, one of the best values in all of football, the way that he can get after the pass rusher. Uh, at that rate. So I think that what they're just doing is they look at the roster and like, well, what, what's the easiest way we can, we could be a force multiplier right now? Well, the easiest way is to supplement the defense and try to make it great because there's already existing pieces that are great. And then that, and it's to trust the quarterback who we're paying all this money to, to overcome, be more than one player. And if, you know, and that's really the only position where you can trust a guy to be worth multiple players at once. And that's the QB position. And if anybody can do it, it's the guy that's won MVP two straight years. I would hope so. Eric, I don't know if I need to tell you this. Well, I don't think I do. I think you know this. Um, I thought your Chiefs had a really good draft. I wanted Karloftis. I think Leo Chanel is... <laughs> I, I watched him on the Badgers. It's, it's tough. The Badgers are an interesting watch. And, and you probably watch enough of them where the defense is really good. But the offense is so putrid at times where it gets really hard to judge. And then you're playing some of these other really bad Big Ten offenses, so you don't know really how to judge. But, I mean, everything right. I read and, and everything Pro Football Focus put out, and, and we had Renner on, I don't know, two weeks before the draft or whatever. And Chanel was a name that always came up. Sky Moore had been linked to the Packers. I loved the idea of Karloftis as a rotational guy behind Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. I, I thought your Chiefs had a great draft, so kudos to you. Yeah, they were great. And, and you know, they, it was, <laughs> you know, it was a lot of fun to, to sort of see them finally have more than like three or four picks. I mean, the oh. thing is, is they, they certainly they certainly uh, took a step back this year with trading Tyree Kill to, to try to be more, I would say, resilient in the future. A lot of teams in the AFC pushed all their chips into the middle this year. I think it's smart for them to pull back a little bit because, you know, honestly, there, there's a chance they don't win the division this year, but there's no one I'd rather go into the playoffs as a five seed than the Chiefs and Patrick Paul. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this might not be the best year for them in the regular season, but uh, with Reed and with Mahomes and, and with 12, you know, 10 draft picks, 
uh, and 12 next year. I, I think they're set up pretty nice for the future. It was really fun to watch the Packers have some extra picks and some picks that were better than I've become used to over the last 10 years. And as a Chiefs fan, you can probably, after the Tyreek Hill trade, you know, relate to that. It was weird. I, I'm not proud of this. I went to a concert on the night one of the draft during the first round, and it was bizarre. The first time the Packers have had, like, a really exciting, something to look forward to out of the ordinary draft, and I was at the United Center in Chicago, and I was seeing push notifications on my phone. So I feel a little bit like a fraud in that way. Look, I, the NFL season is going to try to have you all 365. I, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not judging you at all for taking one of those days off. To be good, good. So, so, so uh, feel free. Uh, relieve yourself from the uh the the guilt there thank you eric thank you for the time if you were in lacrosse at any point this summer uh let me know and i will buy you a beer i appreciate the time on the show as always and hope to talk again very soon love to thanks for having me on take care of course take care that's eric eager pro football focus find him on twitter at pff underscore eric the forecast pod him george shahuri they talk about the nfl and they bet a lot of games right and i don't bet sports i think we got a call from david earlier this week who said, Grant, thank you for not forcing... That's not what David sounds like. I, I shouldn't assign him a voice. He basically said, thank you for not force-feeding betting content down our throat, right? Because that's a lot of what sports media and sports talk has become. I really like Eric and George's pod, even though it's betting-centric, because it's a completely different perspective, right? And a lot of people like Eric on Twitter or publishing work at PFF or whatever outlet it might be, right? They use betting markets and betting numbers as predictors of success and a lot of people don't realize how accurate those things can be it's a great measuring point i mean it's a more accurate measuring point than you know joe blow's power rankings that come out once a week so it's it's a data point and if you're looking to supplement your nfl podcasting and you're looking for another voice and another show to maybe have to listen once or twice a week the pff forecast is really 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 good uh and eric is obviously half of that so we appreciate his time let's take a break we'll wrap up the wisco sports show coming up next This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.